Back at it again. Back to the coffee meets cream. I'm fellow philosopher, and I'm here with Larry the Bearded. That's right. That's right. And you know, it's a special occasion. It's Pride Month. That's right. And we're definitely out here to celebrate. We are. And we're going to talk to some friends, hopefully learn some things. That's right. What is the world without friends, my friend? Not a world I want to be in, sir. I know that's right. I know that's right. Uh, how you doing? Scale of one to ten. I know how your scale goes. I know. Um, I'd say I'm about an eight. You're doing good. You're doing, you're you doing know better than before. Eight and a half. Eight, eight, and, a half. eight and a half. And it up. Eight and a half. Good day. Uh, good day. Today was a good day. Today was indeed a good day. And that's what I How like to say. Uh, you know, I'll give it a six and a half. Hmm. A six and a half, a solid six and a half. All right. Work was, a, you know, it was rough around the edges. Hmm. It was a quarter. It was, you know, it gets a six and a half. I'm, wor- I'm working up to a seven. All right. All right. Well, you know. Like you said, got to do these little little check-ins, make sure we're all okay up in the noggin. Absolutely, absolutely. Without further ado, we have our first guest. Yes, we and have the is... lovely and magnificent Lonnie. And it's, it's a good friend of yours. Very good friend of mine. And I'm very eager to, to pick her brain about a couple of things. She's, uh, well, let her say you know, all her pieces uh, on her own, but, you know, she's, she's a good friend and I'm really eager to, to let her speak her mind about this and this very important special month. Let's get to it. We're here with Lori. Lonnie, sorry. Definitely no not. The amount of times in my childhood that people made that mistake, I can't even tell you. Really? Oh, all the time. That's why, so I write my name in capital letters so people don't think that I wrote an R instead of an N, so I write a capital N. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. Quite all right. Quite all right. I'll get over it. Thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is going to be marvelous. It's Pride Month. It is. How do you feel about it? Prideful. Okay. <laughs> Very psyched, very psyched. You know, I think it's a, um, it's a great month. It's a great month of celebration. I, I do always, you know, I speak with other adults and I speak with my colleagues and I always say that although June is pride month, we should always make sure that we're always prideful and we're always, you know, allies and, and, um, you know, there for the LGBTQ plus community, no matter if it's June or if it's December. So I always have to kind of put that out there before getting into it, but I am very excited for Pride Month. Any big plans this month? Yeah. So actually um, on Sunday, I will be going to a Pride Parade uh, a couple towns away from me with many of my colleagues this year and friends and family. It's actually the first time that I'm going to be like attending one formally, I guess. I've, I've joined in, um, but this time like we have a set plan. There's a bunch of people coming, um, you know, which is, which is nice because it's nice to feel supported by 
not only your family, but, but colleagues and people that you're with every day, all day. Um, it's, it's special. So I wasn't expecting so many people to want to join in, but when they heard what was going on, they're like, oh, we're totally down. Um, so yeah, that's going to be going on Sunday. So I'm, I'm super psyched for that. Fantastic. Now, now I know that, um, it's not always, it wasn't the thing that was always accepted, right? So now we have come to a point as a society that we've accepted. It's not no longer taboo, but it's accepted as regular human beings. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about, how did you feel before when it wasn't something that was talked about compared to now? You know, I think, I think I would have to correct you and say that I don't believe it is accepted by all. Mm. Um, I think that while and and I'm a teacher and Mm. I actually this year just started an LGBTQ support and allies club in my Mm. school with um, a fellow colleague. And we just had this conversation today and I said, you know, we're very fortunate to live where we live on Long Island um, in New York, in the United States. However, there are many, many, likely more than places who do not accept the LGBTQ plus community, who are not open to it, who may say that they're open to it. Maybe they like recognize us as like a living, breathing creature. But um, unfortunately, I do think that it is still very prevalent to be not in support of the community. Um, And so I think that there's still just a lot of work to to do, a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, I mean, it's wonderful. We're able to get married. I got married in 2019. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Um, It was a great um, wedding. Yeah, Larry was there. Great wedding. Great wedding. Lifted me on the chair. Did you lift me on the chair in the Quora? I assisted, yes. I think you did. Um, Yeah, it was our big, fat, gay Jewish wedding. Jewish Greek wedding. Um, But, you know, we're very fortunate. However, not very, very recently, was it not allowed to, to happen? Was it, was it not legalized? Were you not able to have a piece of paper saying I am legally married to X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, so I think there's a lot of work to be done. I think, um, again, I'm fortunate, but it was not always this way. I know, well, I'm Caribbean and I know even in my the society that I grew up in, this was something that was like, no, no. Like I think I I, I believe they still they beat them back in the Caribbean or they whip them or try, damn they almost burn them. I'm looking behind me right now. Hold on, I have to grab this mm-hmm. because I just so I've been in a real kick of reading LGBTQ um, plus literature. Mm-hmm. Usually I stick to young adult books just because Mm -hmm. that's like the ages that I really have relations with. Mm -hmm. However, um, one of the books that I just read was on a list. They were like, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. So it's called Patsy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, It's a novel by Nicole Dennis Ben. And I just finished it like two weeks ago and it takes place in uh, the Caribbean, Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And so the author, the, um, the, main character is Jamaican and she goes through moving to New York to basically follow a woman that she fell in love with because of how 
terrible it was for her in Jamaica of being part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and it was a very, very dark and sad story. Um, but I appreciated it because I think it, I was speaking with another friend who, um, who's from the Caribbean and we were speaking about like, you know, they would send, people would send trunks from New York to, to Jamaica to their children that they would leave behind until they were ready to bring them over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like a lot, of, a lot of what's in this novel is true. Um, you know, they stuck to a lot of what really does go on. And so it was just very interesting. It was a really good read. I definitely recommend it. Um, but it's funny that you, not funny, but it's interesting that you should bring that up having, I, having me just finish this book, it really definitely relates to, to what you're talking about. Absolutely. That's that, that, that's, that should be a good read. I I haven't read it, but it's, it really just goes to exactly what goes on down there and specifically that country, but there's other countries too, where it's very much frowned upon. How did you come out? to your family and to your friends? So anytime you ask somebody who's part of the queer community, it's funny because they always, it's like, well, which coming out story? Because mm-hmm. there's a few. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, when I look back and when I look back in my life and I think back to all of the times that I came out, um, you know, I would say, and I actually just spoke with my sister about this. And I was like, when did I tell you in my head, I thought it was like 16. Mm-hmm. When I think like when I go back through my memories, but she was like, no, you were 13, which surprised me. I didn't think that I was that young. Um, I didn't think I was that young to have openly said it. However, I can tell you that I can remember girls that I had crushes on in kindergarten. So, you know, I can go all the way back mm-hmm. and say, oh, I love when my sister had a hangout with X, Y, and Z, because I had such a crush on her. You know, I can, I can remember that. Um, so I, I came out to my sister when I was 13. Um, and, you know, I, I think all of my coming out stories really revolve around relationships that I had that went awry or relationships that I was in and I wanted to tell her. You know, I was very fortunate to have my sister as like my confidant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was the first one that I told when I was 13. Um, and then my high school, like my middle school, high school career was kind of, kind of a blur, um, you know, kind of on again, off again, dating girls, but also kind of seeing guys, but like, not really. Um, and I didn't come out to my parents until I was 20. It was right before my 21st birthday. And so, um, it was, I had just gotten out of like a really messy relationship and I was kind of losing it. And so my parents ended up intervening and kind of ending the relationship for me without, without technically officially realizing that I was with this person. Um, but I was really in a bad place. And so it was through all of that, that kind of forced me, I guess, to come out to my, to my mom who told my dad, I never officially like told my, my father, uh, my dad, my mom, I, I, I gave her that, uh, the dirty work. Um, so I told my mom and, and, um, you know, I guess the rest is, is history. I've, um, you know, I, I think there's so many milestones when you speak to a, a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, but 
those would be the, the big times I would say when I was, when I was 13 and then when I was 20. Um, and then after I came out to my parents, it was kind of smooth sailing from there. As far as I was who I was, never looked back, never dated a guy. Um, and you know, stuck with girls, stuck with girls and, and kind of wrapped it up on that whole questioning self-doubt phase of my life. So I have a question to that then. Um, seems that there's a lot of confusing timelines and things that happen between that. It's, it's really hard to pinpoint probably a specific moment, but do you think you could possibly, possibly pinpoint a moment that was like a watershed moment for you and you felt most like yourself and you felt like this was it and this is how you felt inside and maybe to help anyone else who, out there who may be conflicted as well. Can you describe it and, and try to help anyone who might be questioning, you know, where they belong in this wacky world, uh, where they fit in? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think everybody has their own story. I think that, you know, for me growing up, um, I always, I was always the tomboy. I was always the one in shorts and a hat and a tank top and, I always wanted to play video games and play hockey with the boys. And I would hang out my best friend, Kate. Um, I would, I would hang out with her for her brothers. Like I wouldn't hang out with Kate to like hang out with Kate. I was like, yeah, I'm going to come over. And I would just kind of ditch her and hang out with her brothers. Um, you know, there are many people who don't have that kind of a connection who, you know, do typical things that nobody would really question. But for me, I think I was always more comfortable doing the more, again, kind of tomboyish type activities. Um, but it really wasn't until theater. So my sister and I were very, very involved with theater. Um, very, again, fortunate that we got involved with it. I, I think that if theater was not in my life, I would not be where I am today. Um, but you know, through theater, you're very much surrounded by people and members of the LGBTQ plus community. And so it was really when I was doing theater that I felt very, very kind of like, these are my people. You know, you had, I had drag queen friends, I had, you know, gay friends, I had lesbian friends, bisexual and, and the whole gamut. And nobody questioned anything. Nobody really like cared um, the, the, the real mutual hobby was, was theater. It wasn't our lifestyle choices or our sexuality, which I think was so focused on in any other environment. Um, whereas in theater, it was like, okay, let's leave all that to the side and like, let's get down to musical theater and sing some show tunes. What, what do you think it is about the theater community that draws in LGBTQ plus people? Like, th what is it? Uh, I don't know. People. I don't know. I mean, who doesn't love Liza Minnelli? <laughs> that know? is very true. Yeah. Um, that is very true. Because <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of stories that I hear revolve around theater and theater groups and people who do anything like theatrical. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. You know, I think it's, it's just it's it's the I think it's the music. I think it's the costumes. It's the it's the drama of it all. It sounds like it allows them to be themselves. It allows them to be themselves. It allows us to be ourselves, you know? Um, and then you think back to back in like Shakespeare days when they had females playing male roles and vice versa, you know, it was like you were able to put on this, this persona that may or may not have been yourself and nobody questioned it. And so I think, you know, for me, that was, it was just, I just felt 
very comfortable. You know, I would, in, in theater, when you, you know, we grew up in, in community theater. And when you do shows, you're hanging out with people that are, that are five years younger than you and that are 35 years older than you. You know, I matured very quickly. I was 13 years old. I was a stage manager. So I would call all the shots. I would run the lights, the sound, the whole thing. I would tell people where to go and like, don't ask me questions, do what you're told. Oh, and wow. I was like, I was like a 15 year old speaking to like a 50 year old about that. A 50 year old gay man, you know, like, so you're surrounded by people who have gone through all stages of coming out, who have gone through all stages of like finding their sexualities. And so for me, it was really just, you know, it was eye opening to see people who have gone through it and like, they're okay, they're doing okay. This one, you know, at that time there was no gay marriage, but you know, they have a partner, they're living with their, their, their wife, their husband, whoever it is. And so I was like, okay, like this is, nobody's really going to question it. If I say that I have a crush on this girl, no one's going to really care. So I might as well just hang here. Um, and so I would say that that, I mean, I know that was a very long, lengthy answer to your question, Larry, but I would say, you know, to find your people. I think that's, that's the biggest thing, whether it's theater, whether it's basketball, whether it's biology club, I don't know, but to just find your people and find the people that are going to be the most responsive and the most supportive for you. That, that would be my biggest, my biggest piece of advice. You know, in your response, it kind of dawned upon me what it probably is that draws people in the theater and you, you know, you tapped into something. Maybe it's the fact that people are constantly pretending to be something else or right. in the past may have been pretending. And this was an opportunity, like they could pretend to be themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Answer, you know, I just, question uh, there. I'm going to pull up a quote. Hold on. I hope it's still up there. I put it on my Instagram story. Let me see. You know, and pride now that it's pride month, everybody's like posting a million things and like, you know, but again, you want to say to these companies who are, who are making rainbow donuts for the month of June and like, you know, right. And corporations uh, are suddenly gay again. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden they're like, okay with it and cool with it. It's like, okay, <laughs> let's see what happens when August yep. rolls around. June um, 1st, turn on the rainbows. That's they, right. Yeah, they, they, a, they try to make money off of it now. A thousand percent. And so, um, so well, that's how you know you've made it in capitalism. If they're trying to monetize you, you've made it then. That so. is very oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I found, oh, wait, hold on. It was just such a poignant quote. Here it is. It was just very, it was, I said it was, it was very spot on, very relatable. Um, it's, uh, it's from Alexander Leon. Queer people don't grow up as ourselves. We grow up playing a version of ourselves that sacrifices authenticity to minimize humiliation and prejudice. The massive task of our adult lives is to unpick which parts of ourselves are truly us and which parts we've created to protect us. So I thought that was like, my friend posted that. I was like, oh my God, this is like, it's just so true. It's so true. You know, when I, when I think back to my, to my teenage years specifically, I mean, you know, I always, I said this to my parents. I was like, I became a really good liar. You know, I was a very good liar. I knew what to say. I knew what they would believe. Um, and look, it wasn't like I was lying and I was really going to smoke a joint and get high with my friends someplace. I was going to like my friend, my friend's basement and hanging out with all my gay friends. But, um, you know, we were going to like the gay clubs or I was hanging out with a girl that I was seeing. But, 
you lie, you, you put on a, you put on this persona and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going, you know, I'm going to go study or I have a thing at the high school. No, I don't need a ride. Like, it's all good. We're just going to the diner afterwards. Like you, you develop these, these stories. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, like that didn't really happen. Like, you know, um, but you kind of develop a, another persona, you develop another persona to, to hide yourself, to, avoid scrutiny and to avoid, as it says, humiliation, the bullying. I mean, it's, it's vicious out there. It really can be vicious. So when did you feel most like yourself then? And do you, do you feel like most like yourself now, or is it still building up? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, I, I think when I felt most like myself was when I was with my, my core group of friends, you know, is my, my core group of friends. And it's actually funny because we all were going through our questioning sexuality phase. So there was like five or six of us and we all were like, I think I am, but I'm not sure. Do you want to like hold my hand and like, let's see what happens. Um, and one of my really good friends, Danny, actually, we always joke about it because we like, we're just about to like say, are we, do we like each other? Are we like gonna, we, I remember holding his hand in the movie theater at Harry Potter, I think we were watching. And then like a couple weeks later, both of us came out to one another and we were like, okay, like we're okay, cool. We're on the same page. You're not gonna, we're good. Cool. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, those, that group of friends got me through a lot um, still keep in touch with most of them, um, you know, and, and many of us have gone our own ways, but we always like, I think we can all, I can safely say that a handful of us look back and say, thank goodness for you, you know? What would you tell a teenager or someone like that's trying to come out and tell their parents? You know, I, um, I was fortunate. It was, it was, I I don't want to say, tell them it's not, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine because it's not the case all the time. You know, I was very fortunate. I have amazing parents. And when I told my mom, she was like, I know. I was like, oh, okay. Kind of like remove that, like really awkward conversation. Like that was basically our conversation. Me saying, I'm so upset that we broke up because I was, I'm so upset right now because we broke up because I was dating her. My mom was like, I know. And that was like my coming out story to my parents. Um, But I I know many people who have been kicked out of their homes, who families did not support them and made, you know, had to make choices. And so, you know, I think people who are questioning, I, I personally would start with like a sibling or like a really good friend. You know, I, I think that parents and look, so many people who are listening to this may be like, absolutely not. That's, you know, that's just my own, that's my own thought. That's my own way of thinking. Um, again, if it were me, I could have started with my parents and I would have been a-okay. Um, however, there are plenty of people who that is not the case. And so I, I would just say, you know, not only, not only your siblings, your friends, but you have you know, being an educator now and being in the schools, there's, there are many people in, in, in the buildings that you're in that are there to support you, you know, guidance counselors, social workers, you know, right now there seems to be a, an up, an uphill uh, incline, a steep incline in LGBTQ clubs, the Grace, Gay Straight Alliance, which they like 
they're trying to change the name of that right now, but you know, there, there are people to go to, to talk to. Um, and that is one reason why I, I wanted to start this club and, and my friend, um, uh, Raquel, who also started this club with me, that's one reason why we wanted to, you know, for me, if I were a 10, 11, 12 year old who had those feelings, which I did, and I knew that there was somebody there that, that I could speak to, like that would have, that would have been everything, you know, and look, sometimes you close your eyes to it and you're like, not ready. And so I'd say, if you're not ready, you're not ready. Um, but I think just recognizing the people in your community, in your circle, and that there are always people there for you. Mm. That's very powerful, actually. Having a support group where someone could, you know, when you're going through these, you know, hurdles in yeah. life to help you. And that's very key. Have you ever actually been discriminated against because of who you are yeah I mean discriminated where I wasn't let in someplace where I wasn't um, even a workplace is just yeah, you know, in general I um so I had a, I've had a couple of I've had a couple of experience look I've, I've been through unfortunately my fair share of bullying um I remember being like the, the biggest time for me, I was in, I was at, in the city with my sister and her friends. It was when like, you know, going from Long Island into the city for a birthday, taking like the 1025 train into the city was like the thing mm. to do. Now looking back on it, I was like, I'm, I, I would already be in my REM cycle of sleep at this point if I took the 1025 train. But anyway, so we went to, um, so we all went to a club. That was like the thing. You go to the club, you go dancing. And I was there with my girlfriend and I was, I had a glass thrown on my face and it cracked my nose. And I was, when I tell you the scene, the scene, and I didn't even, I didn't even realize what really transpired until like everybody came running over to me. I just remember I was dancing and something came and hit me in my nose and I put my hand over my, my face and my, and I took my hand away and it was complete, it was gushing blood. I mean, it was blood everywhere. So the bouncer came, he had seen it. He pulled me into the bathroom. Like my sister was there and, and it was like, everybody kind of like gestured to each other. And we were like, let's get out of here. Um, but it was definitely an act of hate. It was an act of don't dance with that girl. Don't, you should not be dancing with a girl here. Um, so that was, that was like the biggest thing. I've been pushed on the street. I mean, in the city, when I used to date somebody that was in the city, they would push me and call me a fag. Um, and what's that? In Manhattan? Oh yeah. Well, that, and that's just it. It's kind of like, you know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, homosexuality is, is accepted and people are much more, yes, people are definitely like, it's part of people's vocabularies now. However, I think that once that front door closes and the locks put up, like the real feelings come out. And so I don't necessarily think that people are completely forthcoming and completely forthcoming with their feelings on the, the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, being, being a tomboy, I was called a man all the time. That was like a big one. That was a big one. Um, so yeah, I mean, what I, again, discriminated against, I don't, I, you know, with work, it's never, 
the job that I was at previously to, to the one that I'm at now, very welcoming. However, I did not feel comfortable to, I did not feel comfortable telling people who I was. I kept my lifestyle a secret. Um, I kind of went about my business, went through the, went through the motions and, you know, you always have like the elderly women who were like, Oh my gosh, are you single? I have like a grandson. And so typically I would answer yes, because I just did not want to have, <clears throat> have that reaction. I did not want to have that response. Um, so that was like my old job. And then when I, when I started this job that I'm at now, five years ago, I, I was engaged at that point. And I went into it and I was like, you know what, this is who I am. I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to start this job and I am going to make sure that everybody knows like who I am. And, and it is what it is. Like, I can't keep, I can't keep this secret. I can't keep ignoring the fact that I, you know, I have a fiance, I have a diamond ring on my finger and people are going to ask me when I'm getting married. And so I did just that. I went into, I went into the year and I was like, this is who I am. And people would see the ring and they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're getting married. And so, um, it was great. It was great. It was like a, a breath of fresh air. Like my colleagues are the most welcoming, amazing people. Um, again, they're, they're coming on Sunday to the pride parade with me. Um, so many were at my wedding. Um, you know, they've really been, they've been amazing, you know, and I, and I know, some people may be listening and being like, of course they were amazing, but no, that's not, it's not the case in many people's, I would say in, in the majority of people's timelines where it's, that's not the case, you know? Um, you know, but I've had, I've had things said to me um, just, you know, throughout my life of just, you know, me telling people that I'm married to a woman or like, oh, my wife's name is Jess and like them being confused and saying like, what's his name? And I'm like, no, 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 you were, it wasn't a his, it was hers. Um, you know, so people have their way of making their uncomfortable feelings known. And I, I, you know what, I think it's, I think it's important to say and to recognize that it's okay to be uncomfortable. Like it's, it's okay. Like it's, I very much recognize that you know, the majority of people may not know or have somebody in their life who's part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and that's okay. You know, what's not okay is the, is the bullying, is the, the name calling, the discrimination, the looks, you know, like if you don't know somebody or if you don't understand it, educate yourself, you know, ask the questions, um, but make sure you're on a more positive track. Don't use that as ammunition to hurt somebody else and to, you know, take away from somebody's lifestyle. So that segues right in one of the questions I've been waiting to ask. So a lot of people out there may not, like you said, have friends, family members that they know personally, but a lot of people support the idea, but they don't have any contributions. They can, maybe they don't want to march, but maybe they support the overall conversation moving forward. What are some, some of the ways that people can contribute and be an ally and what are some things that people can do to show their support? Um, you know, I, I think that questioning is always important. I think that asking questions and just like showing interest, um, you know, to me, like that would make all the difference. That would, that would be awesome. If somebody were to just say like, oh, what is your wife's name? You know, what does she do? Um, 
you know, when did you get married or, you know, something like that would be, would mean the world. Um, you know, look, I don't think anybody's expecting you to go out and buy a pride flag, you know, while it's amazing. And I have one on my front lawn, you know, you don't have to wave the rainbow flag. Um, you know, but I, I do think it's important to, again, just question, to educate, and to always just be an ally for somebody. And, and sometimes just being an ally for someone is asking them about their day, is asking them about their family, and just like smiling and saying good morning, smiling and saying hello, goodbye. You know, it seems so silly, but it, it could make the world of difference to somebody who's going through a difficult time. You're setting the bar a little low there. Basically, she's asking to just be treated like a human being. Treat everybody with kindness, please. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly. Everybody's a human being. You you do discriminate against them for what? What do you get from that? Like everybody's a human being. Treat them like a human being. You know, they're God given right. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of difference of, of, you know, somebody not being like you. Um, and look, it, it, it goes across centuries, uh, thousands of years ago, you know, I mean, not only am I gay, but I'm Jewish, like, whoa, you know, for, to some people, you know, actually, this is a good story. I, um, this happened three years ago. I was the maid of honor in my best friend's wedding. Um, my best friend, Kate, and her wedding was in West Virginia. So that sets the stage a little bit. And her wedding was on like, a, I think like what used to be, it was like, a, it was like, a, I know, I know, mm. I know. Okay. So they're like, that's kind of like setting, setting the stage. Um, and so while on our way down there, my friend was like, just so you know, they're going to want to read your speech prior to when you give it. And I was like, why that's weird she was like well you know it's like we're in west virginia we're on this like holy ground like this like you know whatever it is and they just want to make sure that like you know everything's like kosher and okay or whatever and so me being me like i have a sense of humor and not only that but you know my best friend kate is an irish catholic and the whole joke of our childhood growing up was like, here's Lonnie, like Lonnie and her, and her family, who's the only Jewish family that my friend Kate and her family knew at the time. And then like throw on, tack on the fact that I was a lesbian. It was like, whoa, but like, they never questioned it. They were, they are amazing people. And so um, that was part of my speech though. You know, it was part of my speech that like, I'm Kate's like Jewish lesbian friend because her family was just so, you know, church on Sundays, they all went to Jesuit colleges, like great, respect, fine. Um, so I gave the speech to the man who, believe it or not, he like made her D of the day. And he was you know, like, look, we all members of the community and members, non-members of the community have like gaydar. It's a very real thing. And so, you know, I met him and I was like, okay, like we're one of the same, like, cool. And he took my speech and he said, well, this part is going to have to go. And he pointed to the fact that I was Jewish and a lesbian. And I was like, why? That's who I am. And he said, um, yes, but you can't say those types of things down here where we are. And so at that moment, I was like, that's really sad because you clearly are one of us. You're, you're, you know, you're part of my community. 
And you're, you're now having to tell somebody also part of your community who, that they can't say and express who they are. And so I was very upset by it. Uh, you know, it was while we were like getting ready for the wedding. I, you know, I couldn't, I just like couldn't wrap my head around it. And that was probably to go back to that question. That was probably the, the biggest act of discrimination for me. Um, and so I remember going downstairs and telling Jess, I was like, get ready. Like, I'm going to drink some champagne, drink some champagne. And I was like, make sure you videotape my speech. And so when it came time for the speech, um, he sat, he was in the room the whole time. He sat on a folded chair in the back of the room with a clipboard, like taking notes. It was very weird. And at the end of my speech, I said, at the beginning of today, I was told that I had to censor myself. I said, I was told that I had to censor who I am. I said, but I don't agree with that. And I said, um, never in my life did I have to censor myself with, um, you know, Kate's family. And that's why I love her so much. And that's why they love me so much. So I'm not going to censor myself today on her day when she's never made me censor myself before. And I said, you know, raise a glass to Kate. And I can't tell you, you know, the man in the back, he looked at me and I looked at him and it was kind of this like acknowledgement of like, I'm not going to do it. Like, sorry, you're barking up the wrong tree. I'm kind of over that phase. I'm not going to censor myself. And the amount of people that came up to me on the dance floor who was just like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, I, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Everybody was like overflowing with like, you know, I'm questioning my sexuality. I'm like, all right, this isn't a Dear Abby like situation. This was just me, uh, me saying my, my share, but you know, it's, it's scary because we, and uh, this conversation is not the norm. This is not something that you know, you're going down to other states, you're going across country to other states, like, it's not prevalent, you know, you're not hearing about these clubs, these LGBTQ plus clubs, you go across the country, you go to other countries, it's not happening. And so that's why I say we really do need to put the work in, we need to put the effort in, we need to educate ourselves. Um, you know, and it can start, it can start just by, you know, where the, where the students, you know, pick up a picture book that has to do with it. You know, it, there's so many ways to educate in, in a way that's not offensive, okay? And, and I, when I say offensive, I mean what some people perceive as offensive. Um, so, you know, we, we just need to do the work. That's, that's the biggest hurdle here. I gotta give you your flowers when you can smell them, you gangster. <laughs> Went down to Virginia and you was yourself, even after they told you, you couldn't say what you was gonna say. West I gotta Virginia. give you your flowers, girl. You got your gangster. I you know. got your G card from me. You got Listen, your G card. Driving home, I returned to Jess, my wife, and I was like, "We are never coming back to this state again." Gee. You got your G card from me. More power. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was something. It was something, you know. And but Don't I never not be think about him. I think about him. He's part of the community, and he was trying to to silence me. And and so you think about all those students in schools there. Like what's happening with them? What's happening with their identities? They're being told to, to not address it, to quiet, to, to, it's just, it's upsetting. It is. You opened the door when you left there. That's it. When you left there, you opened the door. I opened the door. More power to you. <laughs> Definitely left the mark. Woo. Yeah, sure did. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> oh, this was very, very much enlightening. 
This was I great. It, this is so fun. Lonnie. Jess, thank you for, for sharing your stories, Lonnie. Lonnie, I appreciate you. Ones. Oh, I've got a plethora. I've got a plethora. I can come back anytime you want. <laughs> oh, you're an educator. That's it. You're teaching us. Teaching the future, my friend. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. This is, we're never too old to be in school. There you go. It's true. You know? It's so true. That's right. That's right. Oh, Lonnie, we took up enough of your time. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I, definitely and your flowers you when you can smell them. It's it's I'm about ready. bedtime. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I appreciate you guys for, for having the show and, and shining a light on pride and, and on our community. And, you know, this is what we're talking about. This is you're showing that you're allies and supportive. And that's that means the world to so many people. Human beings are human beings in my book. That's it. We do it for the culture, you know. We it's do for the it culture. for the culture. I love it. I love it. Coffee meets cream. Cream That's meets right. coffee. Coffee meets cream. Coffee oh, meets cream. We should be drinking coffee. We really should and be. I mean, I'm just saying. Be. Yeah, yeah but and I'm bourbon. not talking about oat milk or coconut milk. Uh-uh. Oh. Like I'm talking like whole milk or half and half. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the type of coffee I drink. Oh yeah. That's, but we appreciate you. Definitely, we're gonna have you on again. I'd love it. Thank you. Different topic, but you're very, very intelligent, open-minded, enlightening, absolutely amazing and a beautiful soul. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. See, I don't keep ugly souled friends, Phil, between no. you and Lonnie. Anyone else who may have one friends with ugly souls? You, you don't make bad friends, sir. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm ugly enough. I don't need any ugly soul friends. Thank you. <laughs> That interview was powerful. Yeah, that was something else. I uh, I definitely learned some things, and uh, I didn't know that. That's uh, that's some pretty harrowing stuff, but also some pretty good stuff there. It was nice to hear that she didn't, you know, have a hard time really uh, coming out, and that she had a, a lot of support behind her because not everyone has that. And it was well, great to hear that. Belani's a gangster. She went down to the south, and she just she made her own way. Even when they told her no in the South. Yeah. Ain't that some shit? And we we we've spoken several times about how, you know, the South is different from the North and we do things and how they do things. But she went there and she stood her ground. Yeah. That's very yeah. brave. That's well, very you know brave. what? She had the support up here. So going de- back down there, you know, it, it just further cemented. And that's what we got to see more of, you know, that's why it's so important to talk about these things and get people just comfortable with it. Cause when you support your loved ones, your family members, your friends, that gives them the power to continue to just be themselves wherever they are. Very powerful, very, 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 very powerful. And on that note, coffee meets cream. We're out of here. Take care.